1: Welcome to Season 6, Episode 21 of They Walk Among Us. A podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is Part 1 of a two-part case. The second instalment will be available next week. This episode contains distressing themes... Explicit language and descriptions of violence This podcast is intended for a mature audience Listener caution is advised They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network A 17-year-old spends the night with her grandparents. The next day, she is collected, ready to be driven home. Partway through the journey, the car stops, and she exits the family car for a final time before she is never seen again. Appeals are made by relatives, but no one seems to know what happened. Was she living off the grid, going unnoticed? Or was the unthinkable a terrifying reality? She wasn't in contact with any friends. She was a big social media user, and for her to just stop that, no posts, no tweets, no contact with friends or family at all, um, was just so strange that it, it... just raised the suspicion straight away.
2: Because I know it had been a good half an hour of his phone being, going to voicemail okay. before he finally phoned me back. And he said, she got out of the car and ran off. Five minutes to resting suspicion, sexual assault with a child, and controlling baby.
1: Peterborough is nestled in the east of England. Located in the county of Cambridgeshire, the diverse centre of the city is lined with restaurants, shops and numerous residential developments. Like Peterborough Cathedral or the Guildhall, the various iconic buildings are an ever-present reminder of times gone by, a historical marker set in stone. Beyond the borders are picture postcard villages, green meadows. To the east are swathes of open land and secluded fens. Marshes and waterlogged plains stretch far as the eye can see, towards the neighbouring counties. Around two miles north of the city centre is Millfield. The Walker family lived in the residential district on a heavily pedestrianised close called Century Square. It contains a mix of homes and flats that all overlook a central park and play area. In the early hours of Tuesday, July 21st, 2020, Sarah Walker contacted the authorities telling them she had not seen her daughter Bernadette for three days she wrote about being concerned when communicating with an operator from Cambridgeshire Police via a web chat service. It was recommended that Sarah call 101, a non-emergency number, to report the disappearance.
2: Hi, it's Mrs Walker. Um, I'm just ringing to report my 17-year-old daughter uh, missing. OK, I'll get a report for you there. How long has she been missing?
1: Sarah was juggling the responsibilities of caring for her ninth child, which had only been born months earlier. Bernadette, more commonly known as B, was 17 years old. In the appeal posters handed out and published online, a description of the teenager noted she stood 5 feet 6 inches tall with a medium build. She often wore black framed glasses and had multicoloured hair, part brown, part reddish blonde and pink. Bernadette had a facial piercing and two tattoos, both of which she had done herself. She was last seen wearing a denim jacket over a black crop top and black leggings. From the outside, Bernadette's family was seen as nothing but loving. Her mother, Sarah, and Sarah's partner, Scott, often posted on social media, the large family smiling back at the camera. Hashtags of family life and proud parents often accompanied the images. In one picture, Bernadette can be seen on her phone one of her baby siblings lying on her chest. In another, she is looking directly into the camera. Her then-green hair is unmistakable. Neighbours said Bernadette was quiet, but always pleasant, and a friend would later describe the missing student as a goth, someone who was, quote, socially awkward an introvert, whose online friends far outweighed those she had in person. According to students at the college Bernadette attended, she rarely missed class, with an attendance rate of 96% up until July 18th, when she was last seen. Around a month before she disappeared, Bernadette had split up with her boyfriend, who she reportedly met at Peterborough College. She was studying photography. Bernadette had been a student at the City of Peterborough Academy. She was seen as kind and caring. No one had a bad word to say and could not think of a single reason why she had disappeared. Bernadette's mother, who was highly emotional when being interviewed, said her daughter was travelling back from her grandparents when she jumped out of the vehicle somewhere between Skater's Way and Mount Stephen Avenue. They could not be entirely sure. It was understood that Bernadette had gone to stay with one of her friends. Still, when she stopped replying to messages and her location could not be confirmed, the authorities were contacted. When looking through Bernadette's things, her mother believed a black dress and fishnet tights had also been taken by Bernadette, so she could very well be wearing these items of clothing. However, the dress and tights would subsequently be discovered under Bernadette's bed. Sarah Walker, who was employed as a care worker, wanted to make it known that her daughter was not in trouble. They just wanted her home safe. Bernadette's mother told local news outlet Peterborough Matters. We have had no contact with her since 1am on July 20th when she texted me to say she would be home soon. None of her friends have heard from her and she's not accessed social media. Sarah Walker had put up appeal posters all around Peterborough. She felt she had no other choice. Initially, the disappearance was only classified as medium risk. The authorities believed that Bernadette would not harm herself or anyone else, so it was not a priority to find her. Along with sharing an appeal poster with information about his daughter, Bernadette's father Scott would publish a post on Facebook. While Scott was neither Bernadette's biological father, nor was he married to Bernadette's mother, he was widely seen as a father figure. Bernadette called him dad. There has been little mention of Bernadette's biological father in the media, and his whereabouts are unknown, at least as far as public record is concerned. Sarah Walker changed her surname to Walker by deed poll in 2018. Scott and Sarah Walker had since separated, but still lived together in the family home. Addressed to Bernadette, a post on Scott Walker's Facebook profile read, The police came for your hairbrush and toothbrush tonight. You can imagine how much we are both worried. We miss you. We need to know that you are safe. Please let someone know. Your parents are extremely worried too. We love you. Bernadette had not attended college, had not accessed her bank account, had not used her phone or email, had not used a dentist or doctor, was not staying in any local homeless shelters. And none of her friends had seen her. She did not have her passport, and there was no record of a replacement being ordered. Checks with border control showed that she had not left the country. Bernadette was in good health prior to her disappearance. If she made attempts to attend a hospital, then this would trigger an alert. Sadly, no notifications to law enforcement were ever received. Bernadette frequently used social media, posting on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and Facebook daily. Friends sent messages to her phone, and although they received replies following July 18th, the messages stopped after a few days. The last time a signal was transmitted from Bernadette's mobile phone was on July 20th. Bernadette's mother spoke of her desperation, how she could neither sleep nor eat. Reporter Carly Beach was told by Sarah, I know my baby girl wouldn't be out in the open. She's scared of being out in the dark alone. That's what makes me think she's at a friend's house. A neighbour to the family would later describe the walkers and tell reporter Luke May how they were perceived. A resident of Millfield said, They are really lovely and always smiling. They are a good family and had just had a baby girl. There were a lot of children, but they seemed to cope fine. They were always looking out for their children. I spoke to them after Bernadette went missing to wish them all the best. And they were really gutted about it. Bernadette Walker's DNA was added to the missing person database and the National DNA Database. But nothing was found. CCTV was scoured. Still, the last sighting was on Saturday, July 18th. It was not until eight weeks after the disappearance was reported. Sarah Walker would reveal on social media that the case had been upgraded to a high-risk category by the Cambridgeshire Constabulary. Anyone with information about Bernadette Walker's whereabouts was asked to contact the authorities. Alas, no one came forward over the course of the next seven agonising weeks but in the second week of September, there was a new development. It was announced that a no-body murder investigation was launched, and soon the Cambridgeshire Police had a suspect in custody. Their identity was not disclosed other than they were also from Peterborough in their early 50s. Officers from the Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Hertfordshire Major Crime Units were well aware that considering the time that had passed, it was unlikely to be a positive outcome and they were worried Bernadette had come to harm. Detective Chief Inspector Jerry Waite, who was then overseeing Operation Penshaw, told Curious Reporters, Whilst we hope we do find Bernadette alive and well, there is every possibility this may not be the case. Therefore, my team and I will do everything possible to find out what has happened to her and bring any offenders to justice. After the first arrest was made, a second person was taken into custody on the evening of Saturday, September 12, 2020. They were in their late thirties, and like the first suspect, they also came from Peterborough. Century Square in Millfield was swamped with officers. Police tape was wrapped around both the walker's home and any vehicles parked outside. After a forensic sweep of the address had been completed, Sniffer dogs searched both inside and outside the property. Some officers stood guard as others handed out flyers asking curious neighbours what they had seen. A resident of Century Square spoke with a reporter for Peterborough today. It's hard to imagine something like this happening right on your doorstep. The whole situation is really disturbing. But these are only charges. I still have to have faith that the police can find Bernadette alive and well. A sizable search effort to bring Bernadette Walker home was underway. Scores of officers dressed head to toe in black were seen meticulously combing the open fields and hedgerows of Cubitt, walking in unison looking for any small piece of evidence that might offer a clue as to where Bernadette might be. Cubbet is a rural area in Lincolnshire, around 15 miles north of Bernadette's home in Millfield. Divers were brought in, trawling nearby bodies of water as the police presence grew more substantial by the day. Scene of crime officers inspected a series of residential garages on Churchfield Road around two miles northeast of the Walker family home and another lock-up on Montague Road associated with the family. Images of the disorganised garages would be published by both national and local newspapers. Boxes, crates, plastic chairs, pieces of wood, bags and electronic equipment were stacked untidily atop one another. There was barely any space to manoeuvre throughout the clutter. As a matter of urgency, police were asking members of the public to reach out as detectives were making significant headway on the case. Devastatingly, that progress saw them charging the two suspects. It turned out to be Sarah and Scott Walker, Bernadette's mother and the man that Bernadette referred to as her father. Scott Walker had at first been arrested on the afternoon of September 10th. Yeah, so see your I just see you. Not just say Sarah. No, well, no, no. we're we'll explain to her what's happened. Um, so from now on, what do you, you
2: and I. I this, is just, this is where we explore it properly. Okay, we can yeah. take off some boxes, etc. Yeah. Like.
0: Just remind you, Scott, you are, and of course, so anything you do say,
2: maybe yeah. you just get a sound. Yeah, well, I'll be able to have a smoke before we'll yeah. smoke. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll let you have a smoke before yeah. so we go in, all right? Yeah, we'll tell
1: Scott Walker was suspected of committing sexual assault of a child and controlling and coercive behaviour. He was arrested again the next day on suspicion of murder. Walker replied no comment to most of the questions posed to him during his first five interviews. Bernadette's mother, Sarah Walker, was arrested on September 12th. During her interview, she protested that she was scared of what Scott Walker would do. The pair appeared separately via video link before a magistrate and were remanded in custody until a further hearing. The suspected murder was said to have occurred on July 18th, the day Bernadette was last seen, although the details remain sparse as her body had still not been found. The concept that a mother and her former partner could somehow be involved in the disappearance of a teenage daughter was leaving many readers of the national press in disbelief, none more so than the wider relatives of the Walker family who had no idea what was going on. Sarah Walker's mother, Pat Dickinson, was interviewed by a correspondent for The Sun Online. She was unaware of what evidence the police had gathered. Pat was only informed that her daughter and Sarah's former partner had been charged on suspicion of murdering Bernadette. Bernadette's grandmother was hopeful that there would still be a positive outcome. Speaking about the missing student, Pat Dickinson said, She was a normal teenager. She was very good at drawing and I taught her to knit. The last time I saw her was in June. Soon after, her little sister was born. She gave me a big hug. I am so confused about what has happened. I just hope that she is safe somewhere and gets in touch. Other relatives on Scott Walker's side of the family had not been made aware of his arrest and found out through news reports. They hoped that it had all been a mix-up. And the police had made a mistake. Along with the Crown Prosecution Service, the Cambridgeshire Constabulary were confident that Bernadette Walker's disappearance and her parents' arrest was far from a misunderstanding when Scott and Sarah Walker appeared before the Crown Court for the first time. The same day that prayers were being said for the promising young student, the images of Bernadette's mother and father were being transmitted to a court via separate video links. The former couple were told they were being charged with murder on the basis of joint enterprise. Sarah Walker wept through most of the short hearing. Covering her face with one hand as she heard the details of the search to find her missing daughter, whose body had not been found. Sarah was shaking continually. As there was so much interest in the case, reporters were allowed to watch a stream of the legal proceedings from Peterborough Magistrates Court. Sean Enright told Scott and Sarah Walker they would be held on remand until their next hearing where they could enter a plea. Over the intervening weeks, large-scale searches across multiple locations associated with the suspects were underway. Officers and divers continued exploring the land and waterways of Cubbit and the River Welland. Dressed in waterproof clothing raking the riverbed. Large areas of earth were methodically examined, section by section, moving south from the fields of Cubbett to Crowland, another area in Lincolnshire. Search groups could be seen checking dirt that looked to be disturbed, examining the ground for anything that might have been buried only inches below the surface. As the hunt to track the missing teenager had so far remained unsuccessful, police continued to appeal for information and Bernadette's description was again released. By the third week of the search it appeared to come full circle when officers slowly worked their way back to Peterborough. Road sides were examined as diggers were employed to excavate areas of interest. Officers also patrolled the residential area of Gunthorpe, another spot within a radius of a few miles from the walker's home. When the hunt for evidence entered its second month, additional searches included a further examination of the family home in Millfield. The widespread search came to an end during the second week of October, This was by no means a conclusion to the probe to find the missing teenager, however. A brief period of reflection was taken, before the constabulary refocused its efforts on confined areas and abandoned buildings nearby, rather than the outdoor rural open spaces in Peterborough and its surrounds. Additional searches included a further examination of the family home in Millfield, Photos were taken of gloved police officers as they searched the organised piles of the walkers' belongings that had been brought out into the garden, likely to avoid working in confined conditions given the concern around the spread of coronavirus. As the autumn leaves began to fall, the court system readied itself for trial with Scott and Sarah Walker to be brought before a jury in the spring of 2021. The pair would face further hearings beforehand, this time in front of Judge Mrs Justice Chima Grubb at the Old Bailey. Sarah Walker continually cried as her image was streamed to the court from HMP Peterborough. Bernadette's mother had been charged with murder, However, it was confirmed at the hearing that this charge was dropped. Still, she faced multiple accusations of perverting the course of justice. Like her former partner, Scott Walker also faced charges of perverting the course of justice, four in all. It was alleged that he murdered Sarah's daughter before concealing the remains, which still lay undiscovered. Detectives were confident that the message sent from Bernadette's mobile phone at 1am on July 20th, 2020 had not been written by the 17-year-old, but instead composed by her parents to make it appear she was still alive. The allegation that he was involved in sending electronic communications pretending to be Bernadette was denied outright by Scott Walker when he entered five not-guilty pleas at the start of the new year. The young woman he had called his daughter had not been seen or heard from in six months. At the virtual hearing on January 29th, 2021, Walker had rejected the allegation that four times he perverted the course of justice, charges he shared with his former partner but on March 19th, Sarah Walker admitted that she twice lied to police about her daughter's disappearance. However, she faced two additional charges of perverting the course of justice, which related to providing false information indicating that Bernadette was alive when her mother knew her to be dead. The circumstances behind Bernadette Walker's disappearance and what the authorities had learned would be presented before a jury. The first day of legal proceedings began on Monday, June 14th at Cambridge Crown Court. Along with junior counsel Mitchell Cohen, Elizabeth Marsh QC represented Scott Walker, and Alistair Williamson, QC and Colin Witcher were acting on behalf of Sarah Walker. Neither of the defendants admitted that Bernadette was dead. It is incredibly rare for a murder case to come before the court when the body of the victim has not been discovered. There are on average only a few cases a year. This is due to the difficulty in mounting a prosecution because of the lack of evidence. It is only owing to our reliance on computer searches and mobile phones in this day and age that our behaviour can be tracked through our digital footprint. It would have been unlikely that this case could be tried were it not for this type of information. There was no murder weapon, and no blood was found in any of the locations it was suspected Bernadette's body could have been hidden temporarily before it was concealed for one final time. No one ultimately knew how Bernadette met her end. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate free, cruelty free, safe for families, and EcoVadis is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with Scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at center.com. 50-year-old Scott Walker denied every allegation he faced. Nevertheless, this was contradicted in part by the admission from his 37-year-old former partner, Bernadette's mother. Sarah Walker pleaded guilty to two charges of perverting the course of justice admitting she lied about correspondence sent from Bernadette's mobile phone. Scott Walker was the last person to see Bernadette alive. This was a vital connection to the missing teenager, as he was later tracked late at night, travelling throughout rural areas he knew well. This was yet more evidence of his potential involvement. It was theorised he was visiting places he was familiar with, As he did not want any surprises while disposing of a body. Walker had access to a storage area owned by his parents. He could very well have moved the body to this location where it would remain concealed away from prying eyes until nightfall. He then had time to consider where he was going to transport the remains. Representing the Crown, Lisa Wilding QC supported by Jonathan Polney, told the court that on Thursday, July 16th, 2020, Bernadette told her mother that since she was 10 years old, she had been sexually abused by Scott Walker. During that emotional conversation which lasted all night and into the next day, Sarah Walker told her daughter that she did not believe what was being alleged. Bernadette, who was incredibly distraught, went to stay with her grandparents on her father's side, Bill and Julie Walker. Bernadette was dropped off at the address in Dukesmead, Warrington during the late evening of July 17th. By late morning the next day, Scott Walker arrived to pick her up. No one knows what happened next and it was the last time she was seen alive by anyone other than the man who stood in the dock. Between the lead-up to Bernadette staying with her grandparents and being collected by her father, Scott Walker's mobile phone was tracked as it pinged across several cell towers. This placed him in the vicinity of a lock-up garage owned by his parents. After Bernadette was picked up, Scott Walker's phone was monitored moving through Dogsthorpe and Gunthorpe, heading in a different direction from the family home on Century Square in Millfield. The electronic device then disappeared, indicating it was switched off at 11:23 a.m. It was not turned on again until 12:54 p.m. This was unusual. As Scott Walker was described as someone who used his phone frequently. At the precise moment the phone was reactivated, Scott Walker made a call to Sarah Walker. This conversation lasted almost ten minutes. Prosecutor Lisa Walding QC told the jury. The story they concocted on that call, and which both relied on from that moment on even until now, was that Scott had stopped the car on the short drive home to confront B about her allegations, that B jumped out of the car when he pulled over, and that she ran off. Then that Scott tried and failed to run after her, and so returned home without her. From that moment on, Scott and Sarah Walker, B's own mother and stepfather, were joined, the prosecutions say, in an unholy alliance, designed and intended to mislead to divert and pervert the inevitable investigation into the disappearance and untimely death of B. Walker. Puzzlingly, later that day after Bernadette disappeared, a bank card associated with Sarah Walker's account was used to purchase some milk, a new phone SIM card and a mobile phone top-up which was activated on the 17-year-old's phone. It was argued that Scott Walker ended Bernadette's life because he wanted to silence her and stop her from reporting the abuse. While concealing her body, he ensured he had switched off his phone so he could not be tracked. It was alleged Walker then rang his former partner and mother to the child he had just killed, explaining what he had done. The pair then set about hiding Scott Walker's tracks by using Bernadette's phone and social media profiles to make it look as though she was still alive. Her mobile phone has never been found. Three days would pass until the authorities were notified of Bernadette's supposed disappearance. It was theorised that her body was buried in the countryside that surrounded Peterborough. Lisa Walden QC said, All parental love and responsibility had gone, if it had ever existed. Never did they offer to help and find her. During their relationship, Scott and Sarah Walker never married in spite of Sarah and her children taking his surname. Scott Walker never divorced his wife, Jill. The pair had not seen each other in a substantial period of time, and Jill had little desire to make any contact with her husband. At the time of Bernadette's disappearance, while they were living together, Sarah Walker was no longer romantically involved with Scott Walker, She had supposedly moved on and was in a relationship with another man, Christopher O'Connell. Officers would learn of this domestic situation on July 23rd, five days after Bernadette went missing. Scott Walker told an officer who was tasked with finding Bernadette about the sexual abuse allegations the teenager had made before her disappearance. Walker told PC Elizabeth Asplund that he was certain Bernadette did this so he would be out of the picture and Bernadette's mother and her new partner could move in together. It appeared that Scott Walker was highly distraught when discussing the breakup and Sarah Walker's new relationship, although when questioned by the officer about Bernadette's disappearance, it seemed that any trace of emotion vanished and the details of what exactly happened that day became hazy. Walker was asked what he did to support himself financially. He had spent a great deal of his life out of work, doing odd jobs when the chance arose, occasionally working as a glazer. But he explained how recently he had been injured in a road traffic accident that left him needing back surgery. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, this was postponed. Walker said his movement was limited. How was it possible he could have committed a murder? At the time of his arrest, the 50-year-old was unemployed and received a support allowance because of the accident. When pressed on how exactly this had affected him day to day, he could not fully explain how the back injury impeded his life. He could operate his motorcycle without issue, was seen walking upright unaided, and could clearly drive as his car was captured by ANPR cameras, something picked up when evidence was gathered. It was entirely possible that he could still do all these things with a debilitating injury, although a recording was later found of Walker climbing on top of his car and jumping up and down. This was taken after the supposed accident. It was difficult to argue that his back injury prohibited him from committing murder. Walker was again interviewed on September 9th, shortly before a murder inquiry was launched. He told police that because of everything that was going on and all of the thoughts going through his mind, he could not precisely recall the events of Saturday, July 18th, 2020. A map was drawn of the spot where Bernadette supposedly went missing and Walker was asked to point out where she got out of the car. He said he could not remember. He could not bring to mind any possessions that Bernadette had with her and could not confirm if she was carrying her mobile phone. While it is understandable someone could be confused and overwhelmed by what was going on when a child under their care disappears, it seemed more than a coincidence that when searching through a lock-up garage Scott Walker had access to on Montague Road in Peterborough, Officers found a rucksack that belonged to Bernadette. Based on evidence the prosecution had gathered, Bernadette was on her period when she was last seen. The rucksack she brought with her to her grandparents contained an overnight bag, a book, makeup, toiletries, a diary, and some sanitary items. Although Bernadette's mobile phone was never recovered, Once officers found her rucksack, it contained further revelations about what was going on in the Walker household. A page in Bernadette's diary, which was not dated, read, told my mum about my dad and the abuse. She called me a liar and threatened to kill me if I told the police. She said that the other kids matter more. I love feeling unwanted. I feel nothing right now because I always thought mum would deal with it and it would all go away. But no, he's still here telling me I made it up. What kind of parents wouldn't believe their daughter? But it's fine. I'm going to pretend it's okay till I leave home. Then I will block them out of my life. I'd rather say I'm an orphan than say I have abusive parents who couldn't give a shit about me or what happens to me. If I was brave enough, I probably would have already left or just killed myself. Sarah Walker was not the only one Bernadette told about the abuse she was subjected to. The teenager had confided in a friend and those messages were also read to the jury. On the night of July 17th, when Bernadette stayed with her grandparents, she did not have her mobile phone with her. This was confirmed when the device's location was transmitted to a cell tower during the early morning hours of July 18th. It was in the vicinity of Century Square in Millfield, the home of her parents. The data used to identify the location of mobile phones is not precise but can provide a rough area of focus and or movement if the device is being transported somewhere. Again re-examining the movements of Scott Walker, detectives were told by the defendant that when he had picked up Bernadette on the morning of July 18th, the two discussed going to get a McDonald's for some breakfast although Bernadette was not hungry. As the conversation continued, Walker wanted to challenge Bernadette about what she was claiming. They pulled over on a grass verge, and Walker got out to roll the cigarette as the conversation became heated. Bernadette said she did not want to talk about it and then disappeared down an alleyway. Scott Walker said he did not know where she went. When investigators retraced his steps earlier that day, Scott Walker had left to pick up Bernadette. He stopped off at the lock-up garage on Montague Road where her rucksack would ultimately be found. He stayed there for a short period. This could be confirmed through the analysis of GPS data from his mobile phone. Police could track the number of steps made on the device. During this time, Bernadette's social media profiles were opened and someone read her emails. Then the phone was still located at her home in Millfield. The prosecution suggested that Bernadette's mother had access to her daughter's phone. She was the one looking through Bernadette's private correspondence. The prosecutor questioned why this was. When Scott Walker arrived at his parents in Dukesmead, Warrington, he stayed at the address for around a quarter of an hour before leaving with Bernadette. Some ten to fifteen minutes later they were in Gunthorpe after a cell tower picked up Walker's phone at this location. Gunthorpe is about a two-mile drive east and not on the route towards Century Square in Millfield. Walker should have travelled in a southeasterly direction for three miles. Prosecutor Lisa Wilding QC asked the jury to consider why Scott Walker would take this detour. Walker stopped the car and got out, walking just over 400 steps. According to GPS data from his phone, the device then began moving before it was switched off becoming disconnected from any network. The phone was deactivated shortly before 11.30 and not switched on again for another 91 minutes. The jury were told that when Walker switched on his phone, a call was made to Sarah Walker almost instantly. They spoke for precisely 9 minutes and 16 seconds. Not 30 seconds after the call finished... Bernadette's Gmail account was accessed, and her password was changed. This password included characters from Christopher O'Connell's name and his birthday. He was Sarah Walker's then-partner. Furthermore, the phone used to authorise the change belonged to Sarah Walker. The prosecutor said the call from Scott Walker to Sarah was made to explain what had happened and the former couple could agree what to do next. Lisa Walden QC told the court, This call can only be a confession telling her, and how best to cover it up. We say when you look at the evidence, that is the only sensible inference from the length and timing of the call. Then several messages were exchanged between Bernadette's mobile phone to her mother's, and Bernadette's phone to her friends. One text message exchange between Bernadette Walker's phone and Sarah Walker's phone sent at around 1.24pm on July 18th read as follows. Can you forgive me? Of course I can, darling. Please come home. Sorry. Will I be in lots of trouble? No, we can forget this happened. Really? We need to talk about it. A text message was then sent from Bernadette's phone, which inferred that she was going to stay at the home of her ex boyfriend. Sarah Walker's phone then replied, saying she just wanted a cuddle. After Bernadette Walker vanished and the supposed exchange between mother and daughter occurred, Scott Walker travelled back to the lockup garage on Montague Road in his silver Mercedes Vano several times. His presence there has never been fully explained. Puzzlingly, both Scott and Sarah Walker would also travel to the same garage in the early hours of July 20th, before driving to the fields of Cubitt in a neighbouring county. During this time, Scott and Sarah Walker's phones did not connect to any networks, suggesting they had been switched off. But according to communication experts, the former partners had Bernadette's phone with them, which was still active. It was then further text messages were sent from the device to both Bernadette's friends and to Sarah Walker's phone before it was switched off. And then Bernadette's mother's phone was turned on several hours later. Automatic number plate recognition cameras picked up Scott Walker's Mercedes as they made the journey. One of the messages sent around 1am from Bernadette's phone to Sarah Walker's phone read, For God's sake, what the hell mum, stop messaging my friends. I swear you tell anyone else I lied. I will tell them I don't have my phone. I'll tell everyone Dad has got it. I'm okay. At this point, several of Bernadette's friends texted Bernadette, informing her that her mother was looking for her and she should go home. The mobile device appeared to be travelling and was picked up moving between multiple cell towers. The final message sent at 1.28am to one of Bernadette's friends read, I don't know what to do, keeping my options open. K, bye. The phone was then switched off and was never turned on again. No one knows why Scott and Sarah Walker were out late that night or what was in the car, but it was suggested by Lisa Wilding QC that both defendants had ample time to dispose of a body, and this was one of many periods they had been out of the house after Bernadette vanished. The prosecutor explained that during the early hours of July 19th, the day after Bernadette was last seen, Scott Walker went to the lockup garage for a short period before returning home some hours later. Walker was tracked traveling to the lockup garage on Montague Road around 2:30 a.m. Then he drove to another residential area of Peterborough called Gunthorpe before returning to the lockup at 5:37 a.m. He went for an early breakfast at a McDonald's drive thru and arrived home at 6.20am. Later that day, July 19th, the mobile phones associated with the defendants and Bernadette were spread throughout Peterborough. Scott Walker's phone was at the lock-up garage, Sarah Walker's was with a friend, and Bernadette's was tracked to a residential area of Westwood in Peterborough. The device sent a message to Sarah Walker's phone which read, I don't know what to do, but I will be soon when I am ready. I really want us to delete messages too. I will tell you more later. The phone was then switched off or became disconnected. It would subsequently be discovered this message was written by Scott Walker. This was something he admitted to when he disclosed that he had Bernadette's phone with him. A reply was sent from Sarah Walker an hour later which read, OK, I've deleted everything. What do you want to tell me? Kiss. Before the jury, Lisa Walding, QC questioned what the defendants were doing. Quote, You may consider by this stage... It was becoming necessary, the prosecutions say, to dispose of the body. If either of these two believed Bernadette had simply run away and was missing, no real actions had been taken to find her. They had not reported her missing to the police, quite the reverse. The fact they travelled to the lockup is telling. Firstly, it shows they were not looking for Bernadette. Secondly, it shows they attended a site where her body could have been hidden. When questioned by officers about the rucksack and the allegations made by Bernadette, a mother felt it was her former partner's fault that her daughter went missing because of the arguments between them. Sarah Walker did not, however, believe her daughter's allegations of sexual abuse. Walker had been in touch with some of Bernadette's friends and even advised blocking her daughter on social media. She told them, You don't need that drama. Sarah Walker had at first contacted Cambridgeshire police through their web chat service to report her daughter missing. Around two hours later, a call was made to 101, a non-emergency number, to file a missing person report. Sarah Walker told the operator that her daughter had been missing for several days. Bernadette had supposedly been given some time to call off, following an argument. She had apparently been staying with her ex-boyfriend. The jury were played the call and the voice of Sarah Walker echoed through Cambridge Crown Court.
2: Hiya, it's Mrs Walker. Um, I'm just ringing to report my 17-year-old daughter uh, missing. OK, I'll get a report for you there. How long has she been missing? Well, she ran away on Saturday lunchtime, but I knew where she was until she stopped messaging at like, 1am uh, uh, yesterday morning. Right. So she stopped messaging at 1am yesterday morning... Yeah, and I started, I gave her the day to sort of stew it out a bit because she's, it's not the first time she's done it. Mm-hmm. And then of course I've um, become I've become aware of the fact that she's not where she told us she was. So obviously I'm on my phone now. No, nope, that's fine. What we can do then for you is we can get that raised. Bear with me a second, and we'll start raising the missing from phone report. You yeah. last saw your daughter physically on the 16th. Is that right? I saw her on the 17th before she went to her grandparents, and then her dad picked her up on the 18th uh, when she sort of jumped out the car and ran off. Okay, so when's the last time either you or dad see Bernadette? Uh, It was around, I'd say, what, 1pm on the Saturday the 18th. Okay, and where was Bernadette at that point in time?
1: The operator would go on to ask if Sarah Walker had contacted the family of Bernadette's ex-boyfriend. Walker said they were Polish and did not speak a word of English.
2: Well, she messaged me and said, I'm Luke, which is her ex-boyfriend. Uh, I'm just looking, uh, I'm going, I'm going to Luke's. That's what she said. Her dad had said something along the lines of, uh, you know, you, you need to apologise to my mum when we get back, uh, and then obviously you can't you can't just be having attitude and things like that. And she said, I'm not going oh. now. Just he stopped to roll a cigarette, and she just jumped and ran. So he sort of jumped at the car, locked it, and then ran after her. but of course he had to, he was delayed because he had to pull the tower, because he'd only pulled it sideways, so he had to pull it onto the curb, so went wouldn't block it Has she been missing before? She has, yes, yeah, she's been before, but she's always missing all of
1: As the call ended, Sarah Walker admitted to the operator that she had not been proactively looking for her daughter and had made no attempts to contact any local hospitals to ensure Bernadette Walker was safe. This is the end of episode 21. To hear more about the disappearance of Bernadette Walker and the outcome of the trial, please tune in next week. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our new Patreon producer, Mandy Hamer, and everyone who supports us through Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website... TheyWalkAmongUsPodcast.com. Walk Among us
2: to discover the remains of two humans.
1: Welcome to Crime Lapse. I am Eileen. And I am Charlie. Crime Lapse is a true crime podcast that uses primary audio, such as 911 calls, trial testimony, and police statements. We carry out extensive, in-depth research using contemporary articles and case files. We use a mode of narration to give you an immersive insight into the darkest tales and most horrifying crimes.
2: Uh, badgers at the back of the bus, packing off pieces and
1: eating it. Each episode details complex and obscure cases from start to finish, highlighting the aftermath and focusing on the victims. Find Crime Lapse wherever you listen to podcasts, and at Crime Lapse Podcast or Crime Lapse Pod on social media. Everyone has a story to tell. Let us tell you some.